Welcome to the Rams Writer Podcast. Tight angle, cross to Pearson, Pearson scores! Stephen Pearson scores for Derby County! Wisdom, it's right! For Scythe, heads on goal. It's looping. It's yeah! in! <laughs> it's, it's Craig for Scythe with a looping header at the back post. Sibley shoots across goal. Yeah! He scored! Louis Sibley in the 90th minute. The goal we wanted has come. Hello and welcome back to the Rams Writer podcast. Simon Long and Chris Holt, as always. Joining us this evening is Nick Webster. Nick, good evening, mate. How are we doing? Good evening, chaps. Very well, thank you. Good, good. Chris, hi, mate. How are we doing, my friend? Good evening, Simon. Good evening, Mr. Webster. How are you? Good evening, Mr. Chris. I'm very well, thank you, sir. You? Uh, always good to speak to you, my friend. <laughs> I, have a, I often have a conversation about you with Neil on a Sunday morning because he's a massive listener. So it's a shout out to Neil that I said I'd do. Oh, yes. look at that. <laughs> yes, uh, Mr. Mr. Oakley we're talking about. Can I just say, before we talk about the serious stuff, he'd like to raise a point about dirty seats. <laughs> so yes. uh, if everyone listening out there from Derby County Football Club, Mr. Neil Oakley, season ticket holder and good friend of uh, the show and Mr. Webster, would like to know why are the seats at Pride Park filthy? Can we have uh, the East Stand as well? Uh, in the East Stand, yeah. So uh, if you can respond to that, anyone at Derby County Football Club, why are your seats dirty? Anyway, Simon, sorry we digress. Please continue. <laughs> it's, it's all right. Speaking of seats, mine's got BCFC carved in it. So either someone's dyslexic or we've had an away fan in there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, so... Uh, it's been a couple of weeks now because obviously we've had the international break. Now, obviously, prior to the international break, we lost uh, away at Bolton, uh, and we did. I said on the last show I expected a lot of changes when it came to Pompey, as in the squad. <sighs> but we drew one all. Um, Collins with a penalty, eight to it was an eighty fifth minute, eighty sixth minute, and then. Typical derby, can't hold a lead for 10 minutes and uh, concede. A, I thought it was a sloppy goal to concede a, 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 pretty much the last kick, well, almost last kick of the game. Nick, what did you make of the game? I'm going to start with you, mate. Um, it wasn't the best, let's be honest. It wasn't. But the fact of the matter is, um, for me, this was a huge game for us um, on Saturday. You know, Portsmouth are going to be up there. They've done some good business over the window, looking at all the signings that they made. They reminded me a little bit about Ipswich when they came to Pride Park. You know, not at that level just yet, but they reminded me of them. Um, they're unbeaten. And after the game, I read a lot. Um, I saw a lot. I bit my tongue a lot. And I was quite shocked that there was a lot of... I guess, woes about the result, we're complaining and whinging. Is that why fans left the game when we were 1-0 up? Uh, which I thought was absolutely disgraceful. And I don't, that's not, I'm not in one iota telling fans that when they need to leave games, but is this linked to the expectation levels we've got at the club at the minute? Because we were 1-0 up. I don't understand for the life of me why fans were walking out in their droves 
Um, surely not that many have got night shifts. Surely that many have not got dates or traffic. Um, we're, we're fans happy that it was 1-0. Just thought they were going to go home. and we'll, That's it. The three points were in the bag. Because we needed the fans in the ground there to make that difference. And they weren't. Um, and for me, that played a part. It, you know, everyone could argue all day long that, you know, the players have a responsibility. But come on, unconsciously, if you were a football player and you saw lots of fans leaving when you're 1-0 up, surely you're thinking to yourself, well, what, what's all that about? We should have been there. You know, you look at the Tottenham game, they're 1-0 down against Sheffield United. They scored in 90 plus 8 and plus 10. No empty seats in their, in their stadium at all. So they managed to stay against Sheffield United. So what, what went wrong there? What, why? You know, all, it's all linked into it for me, this, that I think as a fan base, we've got to get out of this expectation that we deserve to be where we are. Portsmouth had only conceded two goals prior to playing us. OK, we didn't, you know, we scored a penalty late. But the fact is we were winning 1-0 against a team that's unbeaten. And yet we're all in this negative vibe that, you know, it wasn't a good result. You know, I personally thought it's quite a good result, really. It wasn't the best performance, don't get me wrong. But the fact of the matter is we're 1-0 up with a few minutes to go. Um, so I feel a bit down about that. And, you know, Portsmouth only conceded three goals, you know, this season, two before they played us and we scored. We can't be that bad, surely. Yeah, well, now we're going to flip the switch because Chris is going to give you his... Oh, I know he is. I know he is. Which might be slightly different. <laughs> Come on, Chris, the stage is yours. <laughs> oh dear oh dear uh, nick um i i completely see your point of view regarding the fans and let, let's just get one thing out of the way on that side of things I, I condone that as well um you are i am a fan i have strong opinions my opinions are based upon what i see what i feel so i'll, I'll put that across now to me you keep the word that you said in your sort of oversight of the game was expectation. Now, the expectation to the fans was handed by who? Was handed by David Klaus, was handed by Stephen Pierce, and ultimately was handed by certain players uh, when they were signed and they gave this expectation that they were told categorically the aim this year is promotion. So, I look at the current situation as the fans' expectation is based upon what they've been sold. Now, there's two arguments to that. One is, well, if you if you sell them the dream, they will come into droves. But personally, I think the mistake that was made before we go on to the Portsmouth game is that they should have turned around and said, right, expectations are we are building a side to be competitive. We don't expect promotion this year. It would be a bonus if we get close but we're here to do a two or three year build. What came out of the pre-season, in my opinion, was with various media, was that the aim was solely promotion. And Sonny Bradley emphasised that in an 11 minute video. David Klaus emphasised it and Paul Warren said pretty much straight away. So I think that expectation has caused a problem and, and has caused an, ex has, and again, I use the word again, has caused that expectation to expect big things. The game on Saturday, I thought, was really dull. Now, Simon, you know that I've, I picked Portsmouth to be the favourites to win the league. I said that at yeah, the start yeah. of the season. 
Um, I I saw what, what I saw of them last season. They, they've got good structure. Ipswich is a really good analogy, Nick. You're bang on. They're, they're building slowly. They've got a very good coach. They've got an excellent um, balance to, to their side of, of, of experience and youth. And, and they've, got a, they've got a real strength about them throughout their spine. Derby County, on the other hand, you cannot complain that that, that team that they put out there at the weekend was weak. We have injuries. All teams get injuries. Portsmouth, I think, have three first teams out. You have a squad for a reason. Paul Warren's already said, like for like, you have two players for each position. If one falters through injury or, or form, another one comes in and you expect the same uh, performance. I, I just feel at the moment, Nick and Simon, that we'll pass the baton on to you. I just feel that the performances are so disjointed. I don't understand the philosophy behind what is expecting the boys to do because all I saw on Saturday, and yes, I would have took three points, because I would, Nick. I, I get you regarding the opposition because I'm almost like counteracting what I'm saying about Portsmouth. But about Derby, all I saw was 60-yard deliveries bypassing the midfield and expecting Wash and Waggy to run the channels to retrieve bits and hopefully get onto a second phase. That cannot continue. It just cannot continue, Nick. That football is not entertaining. Now you've got to ask your question, and I'll pass it on to Simon. The expectation was promotion. But I was also expecting exciting football, to be honest. But, but look, Simon, what, what's your thoughts? So last season, then, when Paul Warren came in, he, he basically, he obviously that nineteen game unbeaten run that he went on was critical in getting us where we were in the table, and obviously we couldn't quite finish it off. Now, in that time period, there was nowhere that anyone went. Well, the performance was crap, but at least we got the win. And it's surprising how all of a sudden this season the performances, as Chris said, I, I'm not going to lie, I was bored on Saturday. And to be honest, when we got that penalty, I thought, I don't care. The performance was crap. It was awful. We'll just we'll take it as it is. With you know, but we've got the win. And then obviously the late goal cancelled that out. So all of a sudden opinions change. And you go, well, well, probably a fair result if you look back at it. But my my fear is 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 I like Paul Warren. I've said this from the start. He's he's clearly got something about him. That's why he's won three promotions out of this league. But my fear at the minute is. Chris asked me, asked him, asked me every week, what's he trying to play? What's he trying to play? And I've tried to give him some understanding of what I'm seeing, of how he's trying to play. Saturday, I, I can't see it. I, I just, it, it looks like what Chris was saying. We just, we tried. Ping, we, it was like we were confused about: do we play football or do we ping it long? It felt like Forsyth at left back and Smith at right back were pinned. They weren't allowed to come over the halfway line, which meant when Elder and Mendes Lang got it on the wings, they became isolated and couldn't get balls into the box. Then there was times where we were trying to play balls on the floor through the middle, um, kept getting intercepted. And it felt like the players were confused of what, what they were supposed to do. And, you know, regarding Washington, he did a lot of running. And the amount of times he was close to closing down the keeper, all I wanted him to do just one time was run through the keeper. Because he kept on running to the side of the keeper. Run through him. If you get a foul, you give a foul away. 
but the keeper ain't gonna gonna mess about then is he he's gonna know you're coming and that's where because i felt when derby pressed they looked dangerous portsmouth looked shaky when they they didn't like it when derby pressed but i felt the problem was when derby got the ball they didn't know what to do with it and therefore that's why we're not creating chances nick how do you think we go about solving and start you know creating chances again disjointed yeah i absolutely bang on 100 agree with the comments there um it, it's disjointed i for me i think it's a bigger picture and i've said this quite a few times um you know the head of recruitment's only been in this position the past six months we are one tr- proper real transfer window into it i still think we need a couple more the bench looked really strong on saturday um, which is refreshing for once but again it is disjointed i don't feel that we have the right players yet um that we need um we're not getting the best out of Mendes Lang, for example. Um, I think he's shattered. Well, yeah. He, then I guess we're going to man manage it, isn't it? I think Simon. Mm. But yeah, you're right. He does. He looks knackered. Um, now, what, what, where's the Mendes Lang that's not scared to take on the fullback from last season? Well, it's a long goal, that isn't it? They're into the winger position, you know. Mm. But yeah, I mean, I think he did it once in the second half. He cut in, and you know, the shot looked on target. And it just got deflected. And I think that might have been where we got the penalty from, actually. I don't know, but I don't know. It's not looking right yet. Now, this I think is a bigger picture thing, though. Um, I don't think we were we expecting that. You know, things were just going to click straight away into place. We can quite clearly see we haven't got the players of that certain age range that we need at the football club yet. But we're only one transfer window in. I still think we need a couple more. I think it's going to be about patience. Now, you know, George will often say to me, oh, well, so-and-so is available and so-and-so is available. Oh, well, if we just spent this, just spent a million pounds, is a free transfer. This is the difference between the Mel Morris era and the new era. We're not taking that risk all the time on a player that might not suit. And we're only buying the players that will suit. And I kind of like that approach. But at the same time, you've got to have a lot of patience for that. We don't have a pacey striker. How many times were we just wanting that through ball um, for the middle of their centre-backs on Saturday and wanting someone like a Dean Sturridge to run onto it, for example? We haven't got that type of player. That's going to take a couple of windows maybe to get that player. You know, a Dean Saunders, if you like. Yeah, um, so, I mean, I think that's why we bought John Jules in for his pace. But yeah, absolutely. Well, injured. you know, we might see, we might see that. We're, I mean, we're only a few, well, not a few games in, but what? How many games are we in? Seven, seven, seven league games. Seven, in seven games in. We're seven games in. We've got Stevenage at the top. We've got Exeter at the top. They're not going to hold on. You know, it's all about timings. But you're exactly right. The dynamic isn't there yet. Okay, we've got a centre back where we don't know his headspace is, and we've also got a left back, straight centre back who's, you know, coming towards the end of his career in full staff. If we want to get out of League One, you know, I don't think that he, he's going to be have to be playing week in, week out. Yeah, I think... See, OK, I'll tell you what then. If everyone's fit at the minute, so there's no injuries, everyone's fit, Nick, who would be your starting eleven? What formation would you look at playing at? I th- well, this is it. I can't even actually answer what, what kind of formation we should be playing. This is that the is why I asked the question, here. because I was is, thinking this earlier on. What, you know... I, I I don't know, but we're playing wingers. We're we playing. I think with the players that we've got, it's got to be wing backs. You know, when we're talking, probably Elder and, and Ward, obviously when he's fit. Um, Sonny Bradley and Chris touched upon him. You know, when when he first spoke, he's an interesting one. Something's just not quite right there at the moment with him, um, because I was kind of expecting him to be the rock at the back, uh, and it's kind of not really happened like that, has it? 
Um, I would have thought we would have built in from him, Bird, and, you know, Waghorn, you know, as much as we kind of love the guy, it was, at the time it's a desperate signing. Let's not let's not beat around the bush on that. Yeah, it was. It was, um, yeah. Yeah, you know, Collins is, you know, scoring a couple, isn't he? And I, I'd like to think we'd, we'd work from Bradley to Bird um, to Collins and, and use that as the spine and then build around it. But I think going back to your formation, I think we've got to be talking a 3-5-2, 5-3-2 because they're the players that we've got. It's pointless having Callum Ward at a flat-back four at right-back. If you want the flat-back four, then you're going to be putting in someone like um, Smith or or Rooney, I guess, because he's injured. But, you know, we've got some good wing-backs. It just needs the fluidity of it to gel, and that's going to take time, you know. We don't know kind of what kind of football we're playing at the minute. Chris is right. It has been drab of recent. But at the same time, we flipped four against Peterborough and we flipped three against Burton. So again, again, I go back to the expectation, which Chris touched upon. Are we struggling at home, maybe? Because we just there's just too much nerves. I don't know. You don't go to Peterborough and score four. We don't even go to Burton and score three. <laughs> that's true. So, yeah, that's seven goals away from home. Is there a reason for that? Are we going to do like what we did in the 90s, have a really good away season and not such a home season? I don't know. I think we'll know more probably in the next six games. We've got fat four away games coming up, I think, haven't we? Over six or something like that. I think we'll know more then. Um, but yeah, that's my thoughts. Um, regarding the best 11, Simon, I would I would pretty much know what it would be based on fitness. Um, I, my issue with with the whole situation at the moment is I think we should have done a Bolton Wanderers. And Bolton Wanderers, when they went through their turmoil, they recruited a very young uh, coach up and coming who had worked a lot with academies um, prior to him getting the job, Mr. Everett. Um, Now, they, they signed a lot of potential and then brought in a couple of experienced heads to, to blend them, and lo and behold, now they're a very good they're a very good team, um, and they they will be challenging. My big concern, Nick and Simon, is that we're going to constantly churn players for the next two or three years. If you look at the team that we've got now and the squad in general, we've spoke about this before, Nick, on the pod. We need we start we need to start acquiring potential assets to start enabling transition in both financial gain and also squad turnover. Because at the moment, there is too many players over the, the over the threshold. Is, really... just, just with that, Chris, just to touch upon that point, do you think we have a problem because we are Derby County and we are in the third division? Now, you know, let's leave, you know, I know Clark Harris isn't the kind of player that you were talking about there because you're talking a 22, 23-year-old that's going to have value, you were going to sell him. I think we've got a problem at this football club where agents see Derby and think, okay, you know, I'll ask Derby for 10 grand, but, you know, I'm also going to negotiate with, say, Stevenage and I'm going to ask them for six grand. I think because we're Derby County in the third division, as we well saw it with the Leeds and the Sheffields um, and other teams like that, I think anyone coming to this football club is 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 being touted as a premium towards us, and I think that's a downside for us. And I think that's why 
we, we're going to struggle to attract those kind of players. But but we had them, Nick, in the potential of Dobbin and Asula, who are now playing in the Premier League. My, my issue is... I don't they're disagree. Not, they're, not they're, not, they're not good enough. I don't disagree with that. But, but uh, my, my point is on that, is that Paul Warren has not got a history of development. He's always... There seems to be a trend with with Paul Warren and his staff that they recruit people who, um, at one stage or another, between them, either worked with or been part of somebody who has worked with them. I don't see any what's the word expressive recruitment on potential who they've seen this lad playing in Division 2 at, say, Salford or a Tranmere or even even to some extent non-league. You know, I don't I don't see any sort of... Okay. I would much rather have been told at the start of the season, Nick, right, we're going to put together a squad of, of 21, 22 unknowns almost who are going to be exciting. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to get beat. Here, you know, more, you know, just as many times as they may win. But what we're going to do here is bring through a a style, a, a, a figurehead of football at Derby County. I just think at the moment, it's so patchwork. It's such a quilt of various different colours, shapes and sizes. I have no idea what the aim is. And it really worries me that 53 games or however many games he's been a manager of now, to me, I don't see progress, Nick. I, I just don't. Yeah. I, and that I, worries I, me. I, I went disagree with that my issue is though i don't think we could have been the type of club that can just go and sign loads of 21 22 year olds and say here you go you're playing in front of 29,000 at Pride park against portsmouth it just won't work i agree i don't think i i i don't think it would it could do i mean look at the players we've signed we've signed obviously kane wilson he's what 23 fauna fauna again 20 and obviously john jules you so see he what has... I mean, though, about the transfer window side that, you know, we've signed two or three that you, you mentioned in there. Mm-hmm. What about the next window when we pick, well, not January, that's silly time. What about next season when we had another three or four to that? What do you think to that? Well, this is it. I mean, you've always said, uh, ever since you've been coming on the show, you've always said you can see us being in this league for two, maybe three seasons to get it right. You know, and I partly agreed with you on that as much as I want us to go up every season. <laughs> but... There is still the back of my mind, that, and Chris has mentioned it as well, that there is, at the minute, everything's short term. There's yeah. not enough long term, you know. And the, the strange thing, obviously, I don't know if I'm going but there's the fan forum. There was a fan forum last week. One of the questions was was about having a look into European markets. Now, apparently, that's something now that they are going to look at doing. And you're thinking, holy shit. It's only taken us how many years to think about that. The only issue with that, though, Sam, and someone pointed out the other day, is about the work permit. Yeah, yeah. So you know, we're kind of thinking, oh, okay, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna go in Europe now, or we're gonna get one chops, the Ace Sanovich, Stimax, and you know, these kind of players. I'm thinking to myself, perhaps playing in the Belgium second division or Mm. the, the Dutch second league. These are the, you know, those kind of players. But I don't think they, they could get a work permit. I mean, I, I'm really not an expert on this, but someone mentioned oh, yeah. it the other day saying, well, you know, if they're not playing international, they're not going to get a work permit. So then it begs the question, well, then surely it's out of our pool, unless they're already over here, obviously, and they're, they're paying for, say, Man City reserves or something like that. 
I'm sh- I, I'm, pr- I'm sure they did they, they, when this was obviously mentioned there was going to be sort of ways and means of getting because you, you you're <laughs> potentially do you know what I mean you're potentially stopping a footballer progressing but by keeping him pinned in Belgium like it's let's be honest if Man City came calling for someone that hadn't played for the Belgian national team but they thought they'd they'd get him over by hook or by don't, crop, don't, they, they, don't they sign him and loan him to the Belgian market though. Not, you know, they're no Belgian idea. teams that they have and all the, the yeah, gold teams yeah. around the world, aren't they? I'm not sure how it does, but I'm sure. I, 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 but yeah, they, they obviously, there's clearly the, there's potential a route for that. They've mentioned that. But you're just thinking, why is it taking so long for us to even look at I mean, What grates me is, is I look at Brighton and I know it's, I know, it, you, oh, and no. you go, we hammered them. We hammered them in, 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 10 years ago in the playoff semifinals. And look at them now. They're battering Man United three one at home. That that squad apparently they put out yesterday was about worth was about sixteen million. That's how much that squad was worth. That is crazy, and it just goes to show good recruitment. The thing is, though, with him, Sam, I think their only Tony Bloom is a bit of a. He's, well, he is a gambler, isn't he? Yeah. Well, their, their head of recruitment was the Derby, if I remember rightly. Uh, I think we had Prozone, didn't we? Um, at Derby, it went to Brighton, I think, as well. I'm, I'm sure the guy who's overseas at Brighton or is one of the senior scouts or recruiters worked at Derby under. Yeah. Uh, he worked with Darren Robinson, and I'm trying to think, he might have been under uh, Steve McLaren, but before Joe got involved. But you look at it, what they do, they, they buy players at a good price and flog them. For a much higher, like Liverpool, McAllister, for example, they, they you know, it's a prime one, and, and there's more. Now, look at our head of recruitment, Mark Thomas, and what he did at Oxford. Something on a very smaller scale, but that would be one reason why he's coming. Now, you know, he's only been in the job six months, so you know, again, I go back to the transfer windows. We've got to give him time. I'm sure that's going to be on his agenda. There's no doubt about it. And like Simon says, the foreign market. I'm sure he's going to be looking for that as well. It almost felt that this transfer window was a little bit wishy-washy rushed again because of, you know, the lack of players that we kind of had. You know, the desperate signing in Waggon that's ultimately coming good at the moment. But you see where we were at at the moment. And this transfer window was a kind of funny one, wasn't it, as well? So, um, you know, I, I think he will be a crucial part of this jigsaw to, for the long-term plan. It's just that he's only six, seven months into his position. And I think we have to give it two, three years before we're going to see that come to fruition, to be fair. My, my only argument with that is, guys, is that how many of the signs that came through, Nick, Simon, do you think he actually targeted? And how many are actually poor worn signings? Because you can't use Kane Wilson as a target because last year his, his game, he didn't, he didn't kick a ball last year because of injury. And he came through the door at Derby with, with no football under his belt in pretty much 13 months, which worried me straight away. Um, and I don't want to keep doing that, Nick. I'm not saying that we're in the market and we're unable to not go any for anywhere else with that kind of, of recruitment. But I'd love to know how many of the players that came through that door. This And there's 12, remember, there's 12 that we've had in this transfer window. So we've, we've basically... We've replenished half the squad, should we say? If we have a squad of twenty-four, twelve. There's, of... there's twelve that are out of contract at the end of the season. So, yeah. So, of the twelve that have come through, how many do you think, guys, did Mark Thomas influence? Uh, no idea. No idea. To be honest, 
But again, it, I don't want to bang on about transfers again. <laughs> we seem to be doing it all the time in a minute. But um, what one thing I will say is, it just brings back to the expectation things that was brought up. You know that both of you have mentioned, and another thing as well is if you go on what Nick was saying about that we're going to need windows. You, you can kind of look at it and go, okay, so last season was bloody hell. We've survived last minute. We better get a squad together. We're now feeling the rebound effects of that because we've got, we had so many that we've lost because of they're out of contract. So this season, it's a, right, okay, we need to consolidate, but we'll tell the fans that we want promotion because that's what they want to hear. For me now, that that's why this is just a consolidation season where we we try and get a, a, a core group of players. So your likes of your Joe Wards that are 28s, your, um, your, your Wilsons, your Fournars, et cetera. Then next summer is where we go, right, now Now this is where we're going to have to compete. That, for me, maybe if they said, right, we, when he took over, we've got a three-year plan to get us out of this league, maybe expectations wouldn't be as high as they were or high as they are. But at the end of the day, you know, Nick, Chris knows, and I know, and I'm sure many of the fans realise that this is still long-term effects from administration. We can't all do what Wigan did and get promoted straight away, but then they went straight back down. So it swings and roundabouts, really, isn't it? Well, they've caused a rot. Sorry, Nick. They've caused a rot for their own bad. Uh, sorry, they've caused a rod for their own back. Uh, uh, yeah, I, by... know, but I get that, but that's 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 to me is a little bit of naivety, really. But no, I, I, you know they they want to say what's best, what they what they think the fans want to hear, and that's no, no, no. You but you they told us they're running a football club proper. Then tell the reality. We had a conversation before we came on, guys, about other topics which we won't go into, and it was all about reality. Mm. And and the reality is is that sometimes you have to speak the truth. If they would have said to me, right. It's a three-year plan. Year one, we're looking to consolidate top 10. We're bringing in some real good potential. We're going to bring in some um, experience and we're going to blend to 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 bring in Paul one style of football and philosophy. No problem. Year two, we're going to aim for top six. Let's get in the playoffs. Let's see how we get on. Anything after that is a bonus. Year three, we're gun-ho. We're going for it. We'd be very disappointed if we don't get out of this league. The problem you have is that you might not get a League One as weak as this again. This league is weak, Nick, isn't it? It's very weak. It is weak. It, it, it is weak. But again, we're only a few games in. And, I, and, I, and you know, even if you I don't think anybody within the club could come out and say this season, oh, you know, okay, we're going to try and consolidate this year. We've got a two year, three year plan. I mean, where did we finish last season? Seventh, eighth? I don't know. Where did we finish? Just outside of playoffs. Seventh, eighth, yeah. I think. Eighth, 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 Okay, but you know, so the expectation level is always to be improved. It has to be always to improve and strive to be the best that you can. So the expectation level will always be that we'll get playoffs. My the, the problem I have with the expectation level is is because we're Derby, not anything else. Just because we have twenty nine thousand at home, we think we have the divine right to win in that league. Mm. That 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 that's my issue. Not not anybody within the club saying anything, because you know, I think the fan base. In, on a whole, because of the size of us, expects us to be there, expects us to be spending a lot of money, on, not a lot of money, but money on transfers without understanding that, like Simon says, we are still on the back burner of the whole administration. We've learned the lessons now that we're not going to be paying players 
silly amounts of money per week uh, on transfer fees or agent fees or wages, etc. We've got to be realistic about that. We're in a good place at the minute. I think we're in a really good place at the minute. We're doing okay. We're doing okay. And I think we will be fine. I think it's important that we all try and club together to see where we want to be at the end of the season. And that's got to be up there. Now, that's got to be pushing the lads to get that win against Portsmouth, for example, in the final few minutes. It's got to be that mindset that everybody is against us again. Like we had that wonderful season when we got relegated. One of the best seasons I've had following Derby was that year. The togetherness of the fan base was absolutely superb. Um, and look at how many points we managed to get because we're all together. We and the football was, but the football was entertaining, Nick, as well. As it as it was under Steve McLaren, God is absolutely nowhere. It wasn't no always difference. entertaining under Rooney. A lot, of, a few people said that last week that there was times where it was just four, it was just backwards, sideways, boring passing. But you, yeah, there yeah, were some games that were entertaining. Granted. Yeah, and that's because we're talking Curtis Davies winners at Reading or equalisers at Reading or yeah. the Beelit goal at Birmingham, for example. <laughs> you know, but you know, the problem. Well, if we right, okay, if we were seven games in or, or ten games in, right, and we had you know an unknown manager that's coming with a four-year plan, we'd be then saying, well, hang on a minute, why don't we get someone like Paul Warren? He's done it before. He's got three promotions. Why have we not got a manager like that's that? That's what I said yeah. last season. Yeah, why exactly. have we not got three Paul relegations? Warren? We've, okay, three relegations, but again, he's done it. He's got promoted. Now, we have to give him a chance. He's signed a, what, three, four-year deal? Four years, wasn't it? They get it. There's your four-year plan. To be a stable club in the championship is what I take on it. So he's got four years. You give a manager a four-year contract, he needs to get the job done in four years. Now, if I said to you, can we fast-forward now and go forward two years and play like Ipswich did when they came to us at Pride Park you look where Ipswich are now. If I said to you, could you take that day now and fast forward two years and have an Ipswich team now, do what they did and where they are in the Championship, would you take it? Absolutely. But Simon, I'll pass this on to you then. So we spoke about we spoke about squad changes that are needed, yeah? So we've done 12 this year. You've said that 12 are out of contract at the end of this year. So there could be a potential of another 12 changed. Plus, you've also got the age against us in this squad. So, at what point do you, what do you class as transition? Because to me, you change three or four positions over that period of time. And by year four, you have a blend of age, experience and talent. At the moment, we're churning. We, we've, we've, we've done a transfer window that ultimately is going to have to be churned and churned considerably. Because with all due respect to the players that have come in, I don't see, of the 12, I don't see more than three of them being here in year three. Well, that's obviously up to the club to decide and obviously how the players play. At the end of the day, there's always the chance as well that some players may get contract renewals and I get the age thing, you know, but they are a little bit, I'm trying to think of our oldest players. Obviously, last season for Goldrick, I can't think who it is this season. But there is obviously still people in that 32, 33, 34 age. It is Foz, isn't it? So they are going to have to use the windows as in January as well as the summer window. It, it's just going to have to be one of them. I, I get it. It's not. It's, it's difficult because obviously where we were, you know, it was late into the last into obviously the last season where we got all the players in. 
you know, obviously Kieran told us last you know last week's show that most of them were brought in by Wayne Rooney or agreed deals by Wayne Rooney, you know. So again, this season, you know, again, we were short again. And it probably will continue, but that's where at some point the, the board have got to say, or the manager's got to say to the board, right, I need this many players. This is what I need, and this is the age range, and these are the contract lengths. That's what is that's what's got to be said at some point, and it needs to probably be January and next summer. Because he, if he comes in, if he goes in, if, say let's say we stay down this summer, this this this, this season, so we don't get promoted. He's got to then say to Klaus, oh, "What do you want from me this season? Do you want me to get you promoted? Because if you do, this is how many players I need, the positions I need, and how much money you may possibly need to spend. Can you do that? If not, I can't do the job for you." With only a 1.5 potential million pound income from league revenue, that's all you get as a League One club. But that's when then he's got to look at the likes of. We had four million on a plate there for Aaron Cashin. Took it. Should have took it. And they and, and I get they they said it. Oh, it came in too late. Yeah, but uh, come on. It didn't come Brighton, in too late. Brighton, Derby. Brighton, Brighton would have known that they had had a certain amount of time to get Cashin up there to get his medical. There's there's clearly Derby were trying to bargain for a little bit more a little bit more and then it was it then no, became too late the answer to the forum why it didn't go through derby stipulated that he had to come back and that was deal or no deal and and brian put the full asking price on but said he doesn't go back to derby they wanted to they wanted control of his of his move and wasn't it and paul Warren said categorically they wanted him back and that's how the move failed i think okay then so nick i'll, I'll pass this one on to you in your back five now, as, it, as, as they play, say if everybody's fit and we don't go up this season, you're going to have a very diff- difficult choice to make. And I'll tell you why. Forsyth, 35. You can't you can't expect another year out of him. Cashin will probably be gone or will go. So you can take him out of the equation. Nelson will be 32 stroke 33. You can't expect much more out of him. Look what happened to the other Curtis we had. Over time, that it, it catches it catches you up. So there's there's three. Corey Smith, who's currently playing there now. All right, then we, there's an argument that you've got Kane Wilson or or Joe Ward to get it. But even so, Corey Smith will be 32, I believe, 33. You've potentially got just looking at the five out of seven there that you might have to replace straight away. Can you see my point of view? The oh, yeah, churn, it's, it's constantly churning. Yeah, and it, this it, is. It, it, it is churning, but you know the market can only be as good as what it is out there. And I don't think we, we you know, what you're saying is pretty obvious, isn't it? Really, if you think about it, the, the the kind of players that we needed, the age range that we needed. I find it refreshing that we're not paying over the odds or just buying players for the sake of it. Okay, but at the same time, I accept that your total point about the churning. Now, you know, Rooney's probably for me will be the one that I would put in the back along with Sonny Bradley. Okay. But again, this all goes back to the two transfer windows where, you know, Brighton tried to have a pants down and too many Premier League clubs and, and championship clubs have done that to us over, you know, the last two or three years. It was refreshing that Derby stuck to the guns and said no. Because if we'd lost cash in, then we're in an even bigger mess. Okay. Despite his performances not being the total best of recent and God knows where his headspace is, you know, having lost a move to the Premier League. He's going to have to prove now to, you know, to himself first and foremost that he can, you know, carry on playing football. 
um, because it must be really hard for him um, for that move to break down. Um, I suspect he'll end up signing a contract and then be allowed to go um, to protect his value. I think that would be a, a, a decent handshake. Um, if we go up, who's to say he might not stay? Because, you know, no disrespect to him, he's not going to be playing for Brighton in the Premier League. OK, now, if he goes up with us, we automatically again become a top six, seven club in the championship. Not position-wise, in terms of you know facilities and all that. You know, we are going to be want to be one of the clubs that he could be at. So, I wouldn't necessarily discount him from your thoughts. But like you said, if if we went down, then yeah, he's going to go. I would expect to see um, Rooney and Sonny Bradley, uh, who I still think will come good. Um, but I think those two would be the pillars to start off with. Maybe Curtis Nelson. But then we're probably going to be talking two more transfer windows. I would like to think that centre-back of that age range that we're talking about would be bought going on the expertise of Mark Thomas that's been in his role over a year by, by that time, near enough. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that shut you up, Chris. Um... <laughs> no, it's only because my mic is on mute. <laughs> just going on, just going back to Pompey uh, briefly. Can we take any positives out of it? I know, obviously, you look at the result and we blew a one 0 lead, but can we? And we, the, you know, the game wasn't particularly great. But my positive I took out from it was Corey Smith looks brilliant at right back, and I think he looks better at right back than he does in central midfield, which is supposedly his p- preferred position. Anyone, anybody else, any positives? Or is it just my just my one? Come on, it's got to be some positives we can pick out of it. <laughs> Corey Smith is your classic seven out of ten player. But you you highlighted it at the start of the pod, Simon, that he didn't either didn't want to go past the halfway line, or was restricted to go past the halfway line. I think he's restricted because Fozzie was the same on the left hand side, which is weird because it, it, the way we beat Fleetwood and got balls into the box against Fleetwood was we had our wing, we had our fullbacks overlapping. So I just don't get it. It was almost like we were scared to get beat on the counter attack, and that's why we didn't allow him a bit of freedom. Uh, my, my positive taken out of the Portsmouth game was you got Barkhazen back out on the pitch, similar back out on the pitch, and ultimately, probably, I've just said his name, but Curtis Nelson looks strong again. And I would say so far he's been the most consistent player uh, this season. Uh, I think Nick is right about Aaron Cashin. I think his performances have, have dropped considerably. Um, going back to quickly his point, um I would have sold Cashin and I would have put Fozzie at centre-half with Bradley. You've got enough cover on the left-hand side and bank the four million. That's my personal opinion because ultimately we have to start trading at some point. And four million in the bank. And and we were, well, let's be honest, if we get rid of Aaron Cashin, we're not going down, whatever happens. We're just not. We may not get to the, to the, the top two or three, who knows. But I would have rather put four million in the bank instead of the ship with Fozzie. We know Fozzie can play at centre-half. And we know we can cover him at left back with Elder. Um, I think the only other positive I'd say out of it is that Elder got minutes in his legs. And like Nick said, the bench looked strong. Um, my One other negative I do find is that I find that Wildsmith tends to not have the confidence of playing from the back, always told not to play from the back. I think, I think it's almost become... Uh, I don't know. It, it seems to be a stigma that, that the ball has to be launched quickly. 
whether it comes from Wildsmith or whether it comes from a, a fullback source, the ball has to be launched quickly. And I would just like to see a little bit of calm in the play. If it's if it's if it's boring, like we're saying that the current stuff is boring, and I believe it is, I'd much rather have some possession, some yeah. confidence. The players, Nick, and I'll pass this on to you. I don't think the players want the ball. I used to love watching Derby County demand the ball. The footballers demand the ball. Russell would want the ball. Yeah, you can go back to that season. Hughes would want to be on the ball. Even a couple of years ago, Lawrence would want the ball. You know, we've 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 always had that. I th- and I think this is one thing that came up in a conversation I just say, which is a really valid point. We're not used to this football. We've never seen it before, other than probably Billy Davis, should we say, to some extent. Even Gary Rowitz was a bit better than this because we had the likes of Vidra and what. No, we, Vidra did do flashes of brilliance, yeah, yeah. and and we we could mix it up when we needed. Do you think, Nick, that the style of football is because of the players have got not confidence? Do you think that they are confused, you know, you know with with what their roles are, or do you just think it's the limitations of of the depth? I think it's a bit of both. I think there is a bit of limitation um, with the kind of player that we've got um, because, you know, you look at someone like Mendes Lang, um, you know, the first natural kind of thought that goes through your mind, isn't it, that you should be skinning people at home down that wing. Again, I think expectation level, though, you know, you don't score seven away from home um, and not want to have the ball. It only seems to be an issue at home. You know, again, you don't talk Peterborough by four. Us <laughs> going to Burton and Tonkin three, however poor Burton are, you just don't do that on their manner, being Derby, do you? So we are comfortable with the ball, but we're not at home. And then, you know, why is that? You know, Paul Warren always said, didn't he, that, um, you know, we would only bring the right kind of player to this club. And this goes back to my point when you mentioned about the 21, 22 year olds, they'll just, they'll just fold in front of 29,000. I think that th- this is where the issue is here for me. I think we're going to see as much better away from home than we are at home. I think the players that we've got are struggling to deal. There's only a few that maybe Washington, uh, Waggon, Forsyth, and, you know, that have dealt with big, big crowds and have been able to deal with that. Um, so I think playing at home is going to be an issue. I don't think away, I think we're going to see a bit more freedom, a bit more relaxed, a bit more, you know, doing that cutting pass because... You know, I remember when Curtis Nelson, you know, his first couple of games at home, every time he lost the ball, you could hear the grunts. Well, you know, I know that's a natural response. Of course it is. But it doesn't help. It doesn't help in your mind. And if you're not used to playing in front of 29,000 each week, it's going to affect you. You know, you can see other players that join bigger clubs like Man United and Liverpool have just folded because they can't deal with it. Um, And that's why Paul Warren's correct that we have to get the right kind of play through. You know, this isn't playing in front of 6,000 at Stevenage who could play free-flowing football. There's no expectation on them to do that. They can free-flowingly play football. Um, so it's going to be an issue that Warren needs to sort out. But I just want, for me, what I want to see is is the wing-backs putting balls into the... You know, we're starting with Washington and Waggon who can score goals for fun with their head, asking Collins. It's crucial that we get those wing-backs down that wing and getting the balls in the box or whether it's cutting inside. That... For me, that's the crucial aspect in all of this. Um, and maybe we just need to tweak the formation at home. I don't know whether it's a flat back form, go for two traditional wingers and Bokes and Mendes Lang. I don't know. 
but they don't fall into the bracket that you want a winger, you know, peak age of 24 to 29. So again, that's a concern. And obviously the concern that Menders Langs really struggles to take a man on and, and kind of do something. But I think the wing-backs are crucial for me in all of this. And we've got to get them playing. Otherwise, it's pointless having someone like Washington or Waghorn up front who can score goals for fun if they put it on a, on a plate. Ask him Collins. Agree. 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 Right. So before we talk quickly, well, we'll, we'll give a little bit on Lincoln uh, tomorrow night. But we'll, we'll go through a few questions from the fans on TikTok and Facebook. We will start with TikTok. <laughs> Quite a simple one here. Um, Rayosa on TikTok says, we were poor. Yeah, we were. <laughs> kind of, that was quite easy. Um, and Liam on TikTok says, how long do us fans leave it before we really question Paul Warren? Now, obviously, this is something that's, we've, we've sort of managed to avoid this kind of chat. And I was glad we are because I, I, obviously I'd read the questions for Reader Matt. So this is obviously now, this is one of the things, you know, we, we've seen, you've got both arguments. Well, Mel Morris sat manager after manager after manager. And, you know, then you've got, we can't keep sacking managers sort of thing. Is Paul, is Paul one under any pressure, do you think, Nick? I'll ask you first. I'll tell you, yes, he is from the fan base, but he's absolutely not from me, is my answer to that. Because... <laughs> he's a manager that's been given a four-year deal, okay? Now, you know, I quickly read an article from Joe McLaren, you know, ex-scouting. Yeah, I read uh, that. You, you read it, didn't you, Si? And, and, you know, you kind of mentioned, oh, it was really tough when new managers come in. At what advantage point are we going to get from re- wanting to replace the manager now? If we are 16th, 17th and flirting with relegation come March, then, yeah, questions can be asked. But this is a manager that's took three three times out of this division. Who are we expecting to get? Do we want another name like Rooney and Lampard so we can have all that fanfare? Who wants loads of money to go and spend? There is no money to spend in this league, realistically. There isn't. So who else are we going to go and get? True. I know True. Chris would argue in Everett on that. Yeah. Well, no, Chris... no. My argument is he's already chopped a manager already. Who, Liam Rosinia? Well, you know, you look at the football there. I mean, what what game stands out to me? Was it Shrewsbury or Fleetwood? Um, you know, it was difficult for Liam Rosinia. And I know that everyone's comparing it to Liam Rosinia uh, and how he wanted to play. Could Liam Rosinia's type of football get us out from this division? Do you think we, Do you think it could? I personally enjoyed Liam Rosinia's football. And the only game that really was, uh, yeah, the Shrewsbury game away. I, I remember Lincoln away. Was was yeah, was, was bad, yeah. but you got to remember Lincoln had just got promoted and at home they were a force and they are now they've proven that they're a good side, they're 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 a solid side and they are getting better every game and and they will become um, certainly a team to reckon with. I, I see your point of view on that, Nick, completely. I'll always flip a coin with you because that's just, that's just the, that's just the way I am. It's football. That's why we have this podcast, and that's why we're so you know all of us together are so successful with this. I think I think the big problem is, and and I'm going to counteract that with with this Simon. I'll pass on to you. There there, there was an interesting comment made on Twitter from a, a Rotherham fan that basically said. Hi lads, how's Warren? How's Warren doing? Three at the Three back. Three at the back. Long, long ball. ball. Yes. It got it got forward onto Facebook. 
Miss out of the central midfielders every game by banging it over their heads. Loads of injuries in training. Same subs every week. No plan B. Just wondering from a Miller season ticket holder. Now, yeah, but it worked for him, didn't it? So it, they can it can they can give all that all they want, but it it worked for him. It got them out of this league three times. Why did it get them back out of the? Why did it get him back in the league three times? It's not, and, and, it's, it's not a question about getting back in, back, back in the league. It's a question of getting us out of the league. And it got him out of that league three times. You've got to remember, you know, a team like Rotherham going into the Championship is very different to a team like Derby going into the Exactly. The pull, the wages, the revenue, etc. You know, it would be a totally different story if it was Derby that he put from um, League One to the Championship in that kind of level. But... All the money, you can't expect someone like Rotherham to go up who have such low attendances to compete with someone like Fulham who were getting about 15 billion in parachute payment money. That's why Rotherham went down three times. Are you ready for my caveat? Obviously, here we go. Luton Town. Yeah. What about Coventry City? X X Division 1 teams, yeah? Just saying. (laughs) Listen, Luton's a great, great example of making your home quarter is what they did. No expectation level on them at all. Correct. Bang on. And and, and with Luton, you can sign players and all of a sudden it just clicks and it clicked for them. You know, I remember when we played them down at Kenilworth Road and they clicked and they beat us, I think, and really threw a teacup and all that. But they didn't have the level of expectation that Derby County have. No, and I get that. And and I know people are going to be listening to this and going, they're getting spanked. Yes, they are getting spanked. Yeah. And, and it doesn't matter. They're going to be one of the richest clubs in England now uh, for the next 10 or 15 years because they're well looked after. They are well managed. And uh, I wish them all the best. I get interestingly, your... interestingly on that though, Chris, do you think when they came out of administration, um, you know, when they went really down, to the conference, do you think there was the same level of expectation there on a percentage than what we've got on our club now? Absolutely zero. You're right. I think they were just happy to uh, get back into the the league structure, and as it we has, were, as we yeah. were perhaps eighteen months ago. Yeah. All well, of a sudden, we're we're on about replacing managers. Not spending yeah. enough money at times. All the fans have mentioned. I've I've never we've said replace one nil up. You know, yeah. and, and, and this is the issue for me. It's, it's a major gripe for me that okay. you know, we're on downfall at times. Well, I'll answer, the que- I'll answer the question on my side, Simon. Um, so the question was, how long do you give the marriage, I believe? Mm-hmm. Okay. My, my question back is, we're, 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 we're either half glass or half empty, glass half full or, or glass half empty. You've got to look at both sides of the coin, Simon, and I'll pass on to you. We're six points behind after seven games with, like Nick said, we've got four away games out of the next six. Although they're not particularly big sides, October looks fairly comfortable on paper, even the fact that some of the games are away. If we now play another seven games, and that's 14 on the board, you can't say that's too early, and then we're 12 points behind, so you've got the same return after the next seven games, then what do you say, Simon? It depends on the performances, I think. Let's be honest. We've got to look at it realistically as well. The teams we've faced are all team are all teams that are potentially going to be there or thereabouts. I think personally, we've had the toughest start um, than to the to the season than anybody else. 
if you look at the teams that we're facing, in the likes of Oxford, Peterborough, Portsmouth, Bolton, they're all going to be up there at, come the end of the season. So to obviously say, the ne- you've got to, I guess you you will have to look at it in the next seven games if it, if we have got the same points total and you look who the teams are because we have got we are playing against teams that you think mm, yeah they're going to be struggling near the bottom so yeah you may have to question and say what's going on for me it's a, for me the whole thing at the minute is a what's going on at the club it's not a what's going on with the players what's going on with the manager what's going on with the board it's a whole that's how it feels at the minute it just feels like something. I wouldn't say it's not quite right, but it, it just feels like there's something that needs to click within the whole club, from the board to the management to the players. That for some reason, everything just feels really unsettled at the minute. I thought it might be because of the transfer window. But at the minute, that's how it feels. There's just so much unsettlement, and now it, it feels because the fans are now unsettled as well. So I don't, I don't know what we can do to address to change that. Do you think it is the fans... I think it could be. Do you know what? And I think, do you know why? Because obviously we had the season where we went down, there was barely any bitching and moaning. Yeah. We had last season, there was barely any bitching and moaning. All of a sudden, the bitching and moaning has been ramped well up. Now, me and Chris potentially are part of that. You know, but this is, but that's what we, that's, that's the, it, that's the norm though. It is, yeah. Every fan who supports every football club they will bitch and moan about it if they aren't doing well. And that's simply because they want their club to do well. So I think for the last two seasons, we've had a bit of a free pass because of where we've been. And now it almost feels like, well, we're out of that. So we can obviously analyse and bitch and moan about things that aren't going great. It might just be a case of that there is a lot of fans, you know, coming on to say, right, want the manager right. It's, you know, the, the, the performances are crap. At the end of the day, the performance was crap at the weekend. Yeah. And if we got the three points, it would have been, yeah, we played shit, but wins a win, end of the day. But with the, I'd but, take that. but Simon, I think the fact I'm going to, my, my, my argument to that is the fans are turning around and basically saying, we've played seven games and had one performance yet. But the fans are split, though. Chris. Irrelevant, irrelevant of the of the results. Let's 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 the take fa- the, the fans are split. From what I'm reading, the fans are split massively. Th- th- there is a huge divide, which it was always going to be. Some are in the, obviously like you who are not happy at all. Regardless. I hate the, pro- I, hate the problem. The, I get it, and I get that. And then you've got others like Nick, who are, I guess, in a way, a bit of a realist, and you know, go well. Saturday is a you know a win's a win for me. If we win, we win. If we lose, we lose. It's it's the way it is. It's football. You know, if you get promoted out of any league, it's 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 not losing a game when you don't play your best. And again, we seem to be in the negative cycle here. That you know the one-one against Portsmouth is a bad result. Again, I go back to it that they'd only conceded two goals before we played them. And I'm sure Kieran Kieran last yeah last last week predicted a draw. I'm sure he predicted a draw. Yeah, I, I think it was a fair result, but mm. again, my question goes though: what, why, why, you know? And this is again, isn't it criticism because I keep bringing it up? But if we're one nil up, why are fans leaving in their droves? That that that's a question that I want to know. Genuinely, it can't be all the time. Is it because the board they don't want to clap the players up and say, "Well done"? What? what why? Why is that? I don't know. Uh, I I don't know because. 
it's always great. It's always it's always one thing that's proper griped me is when fans leave. No matter what the score is. Well, yeah, but you can understand if we're getting tonked two three nil, you know, yeah, or if we're winning four five nil. I don't think. Yeah, we're not. But... I, don't, I, I can't get it around my head that you know this was one of the biggest games. Of the, it will be one of the biggest games of the season mm. in crucial points. Did did we not want to win that game? Mm. I, I I don't understand that one nil up. Going into six minutes of injury time, I think it was, or five minutes. And yet all I can see is people streaming out of the stadium and all stands, not just yeah. the sound, all stands. Now, yeah, there are some people that need to be places, whether it's getting tr- public transport, whatever. I get that. Of course there is. And this isn't a criticism, again, as such. But as a fan base, do we deserve to be winning? If we're just going to leave halfway through, at one point I really say is, you know, when we're saying, you know, we'll fight till the end. Is this yeah. only when it suits? Yeah, yeah. We didn't fight to the end that game. Perhaps if we still had 28, 29,000 in that ground, really giving it some, mm. booing every time they went in on the attack, then just maybe yeah. we'd have won and beaten a team for the first time this season. But does it, doesn't, okay. I, I'm with you, and like I said, two things. First of all, I said, I don't like the product. I'm all about the football, the football style. I love the football club. I worked for them for many years. I love the football club. It's it 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 will always be part of my life. I don't like the football, and I and I've watched the club since 1974, and it, it's it is you know I I don't want to go on a harp about that. But what I will say is that that team shouldn't of that experience shouldn't have to rely on fans Nick getting them over the line with six minutes to go there is enough experience in that 11 they oh, they all of a sudden Portsmouth got the ball and we went so deep and so flat and so non-ambitious or structured it was inevitable that result that result was going to happen and I maybe, just maybe, just just maybe that that is the problem the mindset's wrong do you know what? If Sheffield Wednesday had turned up in the playoff semi-final, second fans and you know their fans had put, well, we got Tonk first leg. We're not going to do this. Fans make a difference. They do. They do. I, I agree. Nick. Well, so do players. Point, even if it's zero point one percent, I think my question is: is I, I just want to know, you know, why you would leave when your team's one up? If we're away from home at Portsmouth, that wouldn't have happened. No one would have streamed out. Everyone would have been in there. Look at Paul Vale, for example. Everybody yeah. was still in. Everybody was still in that stand. So I don't understand the logic here. And what would make someone want to leave? You've paid your good money, and you can leave when you want, of course. You know, right? Say, but I don't. You know, go. I don't go to concerts. But if I was going to go to a concert or a theatre, and I'm really enjoying it, and 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 the show's really good, or the band singing the favourite song, I'm not going to leave halfway through. I want to clap them off, especially when you've won. So. Disappointing result, but you know, I think as a fan base, we need to come together, lower the expectation levels, and get behind them again fully. For me, Sammy, you never answered the question. (laughs) How long do you give the manager? Well, give him 10 to the season at least. Okay, question. I don't answer that. It's supposed to be their questions in that. Sorry, that's a great question. <laughs> I'm going to, uh, you know, here's the second part of the question. 27,000 were there on Saturday. 28. 
28, sorry, 2799. The one shy of if 28. You're being, if you're being a one of those willies, that's all right, 28. Okay. <laughs> a, couple of, a couple of defeats or two poor results, shall we say, goes down to 27, 26, 25, 24. And it can happen, Nick. And let's talk realistic. That's when, that's when your business model, Simon, becomes a different gravy. Well, that's when Klaus has to make that decision, then, doesn't he? That's not that's not a fan. Well, can you see? Well, can you see? I can I can see your point. The product. I can see your point. But we've sold what twenty? How many season tickets we sold? Twenty two, twenty three thousand. But the footfall. If the if the product was good in in Derby, we love our city. If the product was good, irrelevant of the league we're in, 27,000 is fantastic. Don't oh, get yeah, me wrong. Portsmouth, Portsmouth filled their end with 3,000, mm. Nick, was it? Something like that. Great. I love Portsmouth fans. As yeah, they get, the, well. they are they are an incredible club who who went through turmoil themselves and they owned their football club, if I remember. I think they still do, if I remember rightly. I think they still got a percentage owned by their fans. Um well, you take that out of the equation, it's 24. So the footfall of people going to watch Derby County as a, as a local town is probably 3,000. Now, what I'm saying is, Simon, well, you can't rely on that 21,000 plus away fans. I'm just worried that the product, if it doesn't get better, the fans, like you said, Nick, you go to watch your band. But it gets to the point where the show becomes so stale and the, the lead singer loses his voice, blah, blah, blah. Look at the Who at... Uh, Derbyshire, they didn't sell out because people knew what to expect. It was going to be dull. I'm just worried that the product, if it doesn't get better, Simon, the fans will show with their feet. There'll always be a loyal 21,000, 22,000. I get that. But I would love to know what the business model... Um, I don't know if you know, Nick, because you've been to all the um, meetings. Does the business model base itself upon a, a an average attendance? I think it probably will, do. Um, they, they touched about the business model and they were well aware of the season ticket sales, et cetera, et cetera. Is it a concern if attendances go down? Um, probably from an atmosphere point of view, it will probably improve it, as has been proven in the past. When it's actually lower in there, it can actually be a better atmosphere, believe it or not. Um, but you've got to remember, listen, we're not in a state now where we're paying people, players, 20, 25 grand a week. So you just have to adjust it. So... You know, I don't think that will tweak it too much. And and I've said this for a long time when I've come on here and on my own socials and all that. We're, part, we're on a roller coaster, we're part of a journey. That journey began five, six, seven years ago. Okay. Now it's up to every fan to try and be on that journey if they financially can do. Okay. You know, considering the season ticket prices at Derby uh, relatively pretty well, to be fair, um, considering if you were to go to, say, Alton Towers or Drayton Manor, et cetera, et cetera. You've got to stick by it. I know the football's dross at times and fans will fall off. Of course they will. But it got no glory. You've got to be in it for the long run. You've, you know, your season ticket money's going to make the club better. We don't want to be like a forest all of a sudden turn up when you're good. Because that's what they did. And I think that's what that's what that's what most football happens with most football clubs anyway, let's be honest. Without doubt, that that's you know if a team's playing well, you look at the season we almost got the thirteen fourteen season. Under Clough, we were what twenty three thousand. 
23 rounds. McLaren comes in and automatically, you know, that, that because the football is better, you're winning games. And that's that's the way that football works. So surely when they've put this into the business plan, you know, with the regard, attendances won't really make a difference. It's know, it, it, it'll, be on, it'll be on season tickets, which is uh, the majority of what I've already paid or they're paying every month anyway, so... I think with Cluffy, though, when he started under Rush, the attendances were around nineteen, twenty thousand, 20,000. And by, by the time he handed the baton over to McLaren, it was early early to mid-20s. So I think he did a great job on the circumstances. But it's a good, good question. And I personally would think that it, it, it will be on, I think it'll be performance-related, in my opinion, but we'll see. Uh, next one is just a comment from C.GRZ727 on TikTok. He says, people saying Warnock need to realise he couldn't do much about our last two games. We got given a red card against Bolton and against Portsmouth with a lot of injuries. I want to say we had a lot of injuries against Portsmouth. I think obviously I th- I think the Horahan injury was a bit of a blow to be honest because I think he was trying to dictate things in midfield. And to be honest, I felt that's when we started lumping balls. When he went off, that's when balls started getting lumped over more often. Um, this are you are you you're not Andy Shipper on um <laughs> on TikTok, are you, Nick? Do because he says, do you feel the fans have a high expectation of the club and need to realise we aren't like we used to be and we are still <laughs> rebuilding the club? <laughs> now, where have I heard that before? Next time I see your beer at the back of the south stand, mate, I'm bang on there. Um, and Michelle says, "Do you think we're going to get playoffs this season?" Personally, I, at the moment, I, I I couldn't call that. You're nodding your head, Nick. You still think we Actually, are? Yeah. Well, listen. Again, I go back to my previous point. You don't tongue four goals away at Peterborough, mm, and in true. that case, three at Burton a nearly beaten, undefeated team in this division that are going to be up there. You know, I'm not, you know, naive enough to think that it's going to be a difficult season. Chris has already touched on it. It's a weak league. Uh, I think once we get these players bedding in and playing the free-flowing football, I think it will all fit. Mm. And, and, you know, we came very close last year in a very, very strong league. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, I, and I think it's, it's a tough ask. It is going to be a tough ask. But we've got quality on the bench, which is different. So we've got something different, haven't we? So you know, let's just see where it goes. You know, I'm, I'm enjoying the roller coaster ride here. You know, it's great. I'll put I'll put this to you both. At the moment, your forwards are all over the age of thirty, bar one. You've got one that's injured. Who's what twenty? Will those thirty-one-year-old, thirty-year-old legs be doing the same as they are now on lovely pitches in the wonderful summer in February? on shitty pitches where they've had 25, 30 games of being clattered. So there you go, Simon. Well, that's where it might mix it up a little bit because that's where we had our good run of form on the shitty pitches. Last season, we had on the shitty pitches, that's where we had a good run of form from that period between October and February, uh, January, sorry. When's the business end? That it, I didn't say you, October. You, no, I didn't say October, You January. said the winter. You no, said no, the no. winter. You no, said the winter in the no, shitty pitches. Dennis, play Dennis, it back. Dick. Play it back. I said Dennis, in twenty-five. Dennis. I said in twenty-five odd games time. When it comes to March, April time, when the business end. That's yeah. March, April. You said winter. Oh, those on the shitty, shitty pitches. pitches. Okay. On the shitty pitches. March, Mate. April. They start getting back to better. You know, but they're better again. We, we clearly Warren clearly doesn't like playing on you know, decent pitches. That must be what it is. <laughs> Warren, ex- Warren expects extreme high intensity from his players. I think his preseason has caused injuries. Personally, I think these players aren't used to his 
um, style of preseason. And I think some of these injuries have come from that. I'm going to say this, and I'm not comparing myself as a as an athlete, Nick. Before you take the piss, but <laughs> I, I when I referee at the start of the season, I feel incredible. I'm running up and down the court, and I'm I've just passed my fitness test this week, and I did 67. How much did you pay him? I did eight. Hey, behave. I did 60. <laughs> I did 67 20 meter sprints in under six minutes. That's tough. And did. I and I can do that. I did. You shut <laughs> off. I did. Right? Now then, I know I won't be able to do that in March because my knees and my physique will be absolutely shattered because I'd have refereed probably nigh on 80, 90 games by then. What I'm saying is, we're all, we're all about this clicking and it's going to come good. What I'm going to say is, fatigue... You've got to remember this 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 squad is on the wrong side of the elite age. And you've got to we're we're picking up injuries now. A lot of our players have not had these injuries before. Thompson, Rooney, Ward, they've got to come back from that, and there's always a fear factor. George Thorne always said when he came back after his first injury, he was never the same. He always feared the worst going into a tackle. And, it, and inevitably, it happened again. And you know what I mean? There's a big mentality behind coming back from injury. It takes a real mental strength. And, and I, I, I just worry that the squad depth and the age is not going to get us where we need to do, as long with the football. And it's just my opinion. And I predict us being top two at the start of the season. And I've quickly changed that because I've just, I've just seen something that I thought I was going to watch a really nice Volkswagen Golf GTI perform and at the moment I'm seeing a Darcia Duster. Nothing against people who drive Darcia Dusters. It's just not my cup of tea. Just remember, Chris, going back to the injuries, the mentality thing is a big thing as we saw with George Ford and many others. You know, I've done my ACL and you do fear about going in for that tackle, etc, etc. You know, you mentioned about your fitness. Well, the difference is with the footballers, they're told what to eat, given what to eat well looked after, how many massages per day if they want. So unless you're getting all that, then you know there's a bit of a, there's a, bit of a difference. Um, no, you know what I'm saying? Look, they're well looked after. And I think the good thing about this is, in you know, many experienced pros have mentioned it before, but, you know, 30 plus, they know how to look after their body perhaps better than, say, a 22-year-old Louis Sibley who might go out on the piss at the weekend, for example. These older players know how their body can go and cope. Now, Going back to the old fitness thing, if you're not following a fitness regime that a manager has instilled into you on the back of three promotions, then you have to question, should that player be at this football club? Clearly, it's worked. Now, we live you know, in a, in, a, in a world where footballers are athletes. It's up to them to get the body in the shape. Okay? You know, it's all right, they get six weeks off. And, you know, many of the footballers that I see, you know, train. I even sent one footballer to um, to a hotel that had a football pitch specifically in his summer holidays so he could train and get his fitness up. That's what these footballers need to do. Now, if they're not prepared to get to the level that's needed, perhaps they're at the wrong football club. It's a valid point. Simon, do you think that a lot of the injuries that have come about, though, none of them have been based... I can't think of any of them have been based on crunching tackles on the pitch and you've gone, ouch. 
I don't think any of them have been. I think they've all been breakdowns. Um, I don't know, Joe, when I spoke to Joe Ward about his, I thought it was in the challenge. He says it was kind of, but he, it was just the way he landed. That's what's caused it. Birds was, wasn't Birds from a tackle? Yes, I think it was. Birds yeah, was. in the last like last seconds of the game. Yeah. Obviously, um, the rest of them though, Barkhausen, Barkhausen, uh, Sibley, Thompson. I mean, they all them three were done in training, weren't they? Kane Wilson is was done in a training apparently as well, weren't it? But he's he's mm. back now. But he, but you got to look at with with Wilson, injury prone. We know that four and a half. Uh, sorry, John Jules injury prone. Shock um, risks. Yeah, so they are risky, but you know the the, the Tomo. Th- the, the, I mean the Rooney thing again. ACLs can go whenever. It's it's crazy. I've seen him playing rugby where someone's been smashed in the knee and they've gone, and I've seen just someone sidestepping and it just pop. Yeah. You know, Rooney's Rooney's just went. It, it's it's just one of them things. You know, obviously Tomo uh, with his it's his quad isn't it, is that, that's gone. You can't really. You don't know how to explain them. So they've come from all different different scenarios, different things. It's just, you, I don't think you can really blame the manager for it. I think the flip side for me is, well, in that case, what do you do? Do you, do you go soft easy on your fitness? Mm. Do you go soft easy in training? Because there's going to be other football clubs that, you know, they all pretty much follow the same fitness. I'm yeah. sure. You know, you know. So what do you do, do you, in training? Do you go soft and easy? That's not no, game ready, is it? No, it isn't. I, I just, I just think it's an interesting topic. I'd love to speak to someone who's on that side of the industry and find out is it is it a curse of Derby County? Everything's because a it seems baseball ground pitch without a curse. I know, but it just, no. but Derby County just seem to have this regular. Someone said to me, a player said to me, and I won't mention his name, but when I was working at the club, um. I'm actually on the mic. He said to me once after the game that that the prior part pitch has this membrane in it, where I believe they the grass grows through it and it's there to, I think it's like thirty percent plastic or or something, and he says it does have a different feel on the shoe. You know, you you do tend you your studs. It's very difficult choice of stud or he said something about the grip is is quite hard to get used to and that's why you see a lot of players sliding on it or a lot of players almost getting their feet stuck in it because they're not quite sure which stud pattern to wear whereas you go to other pitches they are predominantly deep grass with a clay base or sand base i've often thought about that you know about the prior part pitch and it almost feels like you know it's great having a nice pitch to play on and players want a nice pitch to play on but sometimes i i kind of in the mindset it makes it great for the opposition it, where is the home? You know, you mentioned, Chris, you mentioned about Luton. And the first thing I said to you were the home advantage there. Yeah. You know, the baseball ground pitch, for example. Prime example. You know, do we make things too easy for the opposition? Nice dressing room, nice pitch, nice everything, nice facilities. Do we make it too easy? Is there any home advantage anymore? That's a really good point. Simon? Um, possibly. It's possible, isn't it? That it could be. Ooh, can't wait to go play at Pride Park. They've got they've got nice facilities there. It's like going to a Premier League club. Got a nice little pitch. So dirty seats near locally. Yeah, <laughs> they're not bothered about that, are they? But yeah, <laughs> um, you know, even even the managers. Oh yeah, they've got nice heated manager. You know, dugout seats here. So yeah, they're it's potential. They do. You know, let's let's paint the 
away dressing room black or something or not clean I don't know just make them uncomfortable when they get there so they don't want you know they don't relish the experience of playing at Pride Park it's, it's, it's maybe you could bring it up in the next SCG meeting have you, have you noticed <laughs> Nick Simon have you noticed the only water the half of the pitch that Derby are attacking I don't know if you noticed that they the, don't uh, the that side, quite... well, the, if I'm looking at it from the north side the right hand side yeah, they always yeah. water the, the half that they're going to attack into, which I find really interesting. Mm. Well, that's so you can zip the ball, isn't it? But, you know, at yeah. the division level, that doesn't really happen much, does it? But if we bring hit... Back, bring if we, back the bog and sand of the, of the baseball ground. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, if you hit a 60-yard ball on a zippy ground, there's only one place it's going. Yeah. yeah. Right. Anyway, should we, should we go back to the fans' question? Yeah, sorry. Digress. Um, Parry's not happy. He says, only one shot on target. That's apparently not good enough, especially at home. Very true. It's not. We, we will expect. We should we should be expecting more chances on target. I can only remember three chances, and that was the one where Fozzie put it over the bar, the shot that Hora had had that came off Waggy that hit the bar, and then the penalty, which isn't really great when you look at it that way and you go, we've played 90 minutes of football at home and we've only created them chances, hard the chances, really. The last open play goal scored, Simon, was, or the last shot on target was the open play was Martin Waghorn's hat trick uh, finish. Yeah, it's not good, is it? In fairness, it would have been, um, thing is, uh, Washington's goal at Bolton before it got ruled out. Yeah, true. Um, Ian Davies says, will Warren last till Christmas? Ah, there's a question. Nick? Depends on the results, doesn't it? Absolutely, of course it will. I think yeah, I think he'll be here at Christmas. Um, yeah. I, I have to accept that. I, as much as the fans will start going, we want one. I, I just don't think we, we. I don't think we're in a position to be able to do it anyway. To pay him, pay him two and a half years off. I don't think it's going to happen somehow. Um, Roy Gibson says, "Don't start shooting the manager. He's in Nick's camp. Look, the entire club outfit is responsible. Key injuries have, have become critical." Keep changing managers not served as well at this time. Unequivocal support is needed, none more so than from the fans. Go on, Chris. Right. Nick, Nick's, Nick's nodding his head here like a... Like Brilliant. A you know I mean? Brilliant point, and I agree with that. So let's go back to the question that you asked, Simon. Mm-hmm. So the gentleman, who was it? Just was the question from who? The one that I've just said? Yeah. That's from Roy. Roy, good question. Great point. Okay. So he says they've got key injuries out. Let's go back to the first question you asked, Simon. What's your strongest 11? Of the 11 who started on Saturday, Nick, and the people who are out, who are you replacing like for like? Well, I've got to think back to the team there. Well, I'll tell you the team. I'm more than happy to say the team. Okay, let's bring the team up. Let me do the last question. Yeah. Because we've, we've got one more question. Then we can do that and we can obviously link it into Lincoln. So. Okay. The last question then is from Mark Coote. So it's what needs to be done with the team or management so that I can just sit back and enjoy my Saturday afternoons again. And uh, David Joyce says, it seems to be the last five or ten minutes we're most vulnerable, especially if we're leading by the, one, uh, the odd one or sometimes two. So... What needs to be done? And do you th- are we frail at, at the end of games, do you think? Is that a fitness issue? Do we seem a bit vulnerable, weak at the end of games? I think Nick touched on it. Nick confidence and and yeah, just the ability to man-manage. Yeah. Game, it's a, game manage. Yeah, it's, an, it's, it's, a, it's a wee bit of a new team at the minute, isn't it? And, you know, it's going to take time like, to, to bet in. Of course, any team that's winning 1-0 has got to game manage it. 
Of course they have. Um, and I think they'll come over time, no doubt. Okay then, Simon. Nick. So the Keenjas out are who? We've got Ward. Bird. Bird. Thompson. Thompson. Rooney. Rooney. So that's four. Anyone else? Bear in mind the gentleman said key. John Jules is our fourth striker. <laughs> John Jules. No, we're clutching. Okay. <laughs> so, the team that started against Portsmouth, Wildsmith, Nelson, Smith, Cashin, Forsyth, Elder, Fornar, Mendes, Lang, Horihan, Washington, Waghorn. On the bench was Wilson, Bradley, who didn't get on, Embleton, Collins, Barkhausen, Vickers, Sibley. So, those key players who are missing... Sorry, Nick's just writing them all down there. Look, bless him. <laughs> so those key players, who does Thompson come in for? Let's start with him. What do you mean? As, oh, he's injured. Isn't he? Oh, so it, so if he if he wasn't injured, yeah. So we're going back to the full. We're going back to. We can answer the original question of the strongest eleven. So the gentleman said, Roy said, key players are out. Okay, so Thompson, who are you bringing him in for? Well, he was playing on the left before, weren't he? So he would have come in for Elder. I would have thought. So, okay, so Elder was one of uh, Paul Warren's signings. Mm -hmm. So you're saying that his own signing isn't good enough to hold I'm the I'm not saying it's not good enough, but I'm saying Thompson at the minute, before his injury, was better. Okay, so Nick, where would you bring Thompson in for? Or would you? Um, I don't know if I would. I don't know if I would, to be honest. Now, listen, he had a great, yeah, he had a great start to the season. But I go back to get to my point about Forsyth. I guess that if you want to get promoted, specifically in a position of, of left wing, you need a left winger, a Mendes Lang, a Barcazen, a Sibley, whatever. You can't be afforded as much as Thompson's been playing great. He's not been skinning people, putting balls on the noggin for Waghorn, Collins, or Washington which is what I expect from a left winger. He's not going to cut inside and flick one like Mendes Lang used to. Okay, so that's no disrespect to him. I would look at putting him in the middle. Don't ask me who for, because I don't know. But I wouldn't be putting him back out on the left. If we want to get out, you need someone like Callum Elder that's going to take someone on and get the ball in the box. Thompson's yeah. not going to do that for us, simply. There you go. So there, there's one out of the way straight away. He doesn't get in. And also, Simon Long of the uh, Liam Thompson Appreciation Society Club. <laughs> So don't you start changing your uh, <laughs> your badge. I'm allowed. I said when, okay. when, he, okay. when he gets, he'll, he'll get credit when he deserves it, and cool. frankly, he deserved it. Okay, good lad. Joe Ward. Who would you bring Joe Ward in for? At the minute, Mendes Lang. Nick? Yeah, again, at the minute, I'd actually probably agree with that. I don't think Mendes Lang is, is offered, as, um, offered as really anything just yet. He looks knackered. <laughs> So you both agree that Nathaniel Mendes Lang isn't in the strongest eleven? On form, no. On form, yeah. Okay. Uh, he's like he's like a, like a freaking. No, uh, it's a great question. He's, like a, he's like a school teacher. Yeah, well, all of a sudden, you two have to think. <laughs> we're we're like think. in detention. I feel like we're in detention, Nick. And here's, here's the best <laughs> thing: is that as people are listening to this, guys, they'll be doing the same tomorrow. Going, ooh, interesting. Max Bird. Is a key. Bear in mind, Roy said he's a key figure. Who do you bring Max Bird in for? Uh, trying to think of the midfielder or something. Eh? Fornar. Fornar. Horihan. Fornar. 
really. Bear in mind that Paul Warner said that Tyrese Fornar is his engine and he needs that kind uh, and then of, he took of him off after Then he took him off after 45 minutes because he got booked. Yeah, because he's, he's got no control. I don't think it was. I thought it was bullshit. You've got, a midfielder, you've got a midfielder that's on a yellow card and you go, oh, that's it. I'm going to have to take me out. So what he did was he lost Horahan. Then he took Fornar off in midfield. That, for me, was crazy. Fornar was on the edge. He was on the edge. But that's his, that's his job as a manager to say, look, calm it down. You're on a yellow card. Not go, right, you're coming off. I can't trust you. Okay, so you're, so you're saying Max Bird in for Tyrese Fornar. Mm. Okay, yeah. Nick? Well, I'm just looking at it. And I, I, I don't like having a defensive midfield in a back five. Is my issue. Yeah, but, yeah, but it, uh, we, we played a back four on Saturday. Well, I want to see Horahan, Bird and Fauna in the midfield. I'm, I'm looking at it now and I'm fancying that. So who, who would have gone out then? Who else was in there? So it's... Uh, Mendes, yeah. Lang, Elder, Fauna and Horahan were the alleged four. So again, it depends on what formation we're kind of playing, doesn't it? So I, again, I don't even know really what kind of formation we kind of end up playing I just get so confused about it do you know the interesting thing is that I was looking at this formation yesterday on Sky it was 3-5-2 I'm looking at it now it's 4-4-2 even Sky don't know no and I don't think but listen if we're going to go for a back four what about Fauna defensive midfielder Horahan Bird Louis Sibley in the number 10 role and then two strikers okay okay right so we're playing a four-four-two diamond. At then. home, yeah, at, at home. home. Okay, so yeah. because I think we can take that extra gamble at home. Well, in theory, with the mm. wing backs. Okay, Rooney. Centre back. For who? Forsyth. So you'd take Forsyth out. So one minute you're saying you need a good balance left hand side, and then you're bringing in. Yeah, but he'd put Elder at. Elder, Elder at left wing back, and. Okay. Uh, so you're yeah. going five, you're going three at the back. You're going like a three five two, aren't you? I don't know what I'm going with. <laughs> oh, <I don't> <laughs> Nick, Nick's just banging on players. You'll do. We've got fifteen I just, players. I just know. I just know that. I think if we want to go out of this league, we can't be relying on Craig Forsyth. Which I said didn't at the start. You can't rely on Simon Rooney. I, I, I'd be inclined to go with Nick. I'd, if... It, but again, it depends on where we're, what position we're, what for. Right, I tell you what, then if I call a three-five-two, because he stated in his bloody in that fan forum that it takes seventh using a three-five-two. Apparently, anyway, from what I've heard, he said it take finishing seventh using a three-five-two rather than finishing top two using a four-four-two. I don't know how it was said or if it was in jest or whatever. I've not sat and watched the rerun on YouTube yet. Um, but let's let's say we go for a three five two. Personally, I'd put Vickers in goal because I I just don't I, I just think Joe Wildsmith is just becoming a bit too cocky and a bit too arrogant and doing it at the wrong times. So we're one 0 up and he's time wasting and giving it large to Colby Bishop, who then five minutes later sticks an equaliser past him. Right, so for me, I'd, I'd look at stick. I, I, I want to see Vickers in goal. I felt he did. He was quite. I felt he was good against Bolton. He could do nothing about their goal, so I'd start with Vickers. The three at the back. I personally would go if there's no injuries. Would go with Cashin, Nelson, and Rooney if there's no injuries. 
What about if Sonny Bradley? Hold is... on. Well, he's he's not injured, is he? I've just said no at the minute. I, I think Nelson Nelson at the minute is proven his worth, and I think you've got one senior centre back with two, obviously younger ones, and I think that that may help, may work. They've got a bit more energy in my midfield five. I'd go Callum Elder on the left. I go Joe Ward on the right. There's your two wing backs. The midfield three is what Nick said, and I'd probably go Bird, Fornar, and Horahan. And then up top, I'd go Collins and Waggon. Nick? Yeah, pretty pretty much similar, really, to me. I actually had... I think we need to be getting Sonny Bradley in this team. I think he plays tomorrow against Lincoln. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. He'll definitely play with Lincoln tomorrow, no doubt about that. But going forward, again, if we want to go out this league, he has to be playing. Whether he's playing shit to start off with is another question. He has to give him time to bed in because he's going to be crucial. Now, he may be more crucial away from home. But listen, his point is having Curtis Nelson pinging in his long throws if we haven't got someone like as tall as um, Sonny Bradley to get on the end of it. I yeah. know he's made a few mistakes, but so have others. Mm. Because you look at those first five or six goals we conceded, at least four or five were due to defensive errors, whether it was Cashin passing the ball or whether it was Curtis Nelson. So they're just as guilty. Sonny Bradley's was just more obvious uh, at Bolton. I-, I felt that was harsh because... It didn't lead to a goal. It led to a, a red card that was never a red card. And for the rest of the game, he actually looked bloody solid. Well, this is the thing, Simon. This is a player, and Chris touched upon it earlier, this is a player that's walked through the door and mm. has said, I want to take Derby County back up to mm. the Championship. I think now, he felt he was going to be captain as well. Yeah, and, and do you know what? I probably would have given him the armband personally. I would have. I would have said it would have set a, a you know a kind of memo to the lads in the dressing room. Look, this is a player that knows what it takes to get out of this league. Mm. He is a natural leader. You won't mess with him. You won't piss about with him, would you, in the dressing room? No. And so for me, he needs to be starting every week at that back. Mm. You see what? Because time's running out against us. What I'm going to say about that, lads, is you've missed out uh, Elliot Embleton. And a fit Thomas uh, Tom Barkhausen. Yeah. Would you, what I'm saying is, Kane Wilson is supposed to have come with this incredible ability when he's fully fit. They're, they're, when someone says we're missing key players, are we really? Because actually, of those who you've missed, you've both agreed that Ward probably is the only one. And Bird. Uh, yeah, I said I don't. Put Bird, we both put Bird in. We've okay, so Ward and Bird. So out out the injuries at the moment, you wouldn't put Rooney back in. Uh, you would put a fit squad. You'd put well, Ward. We, we both we both put Rooney in, didn't we, Nick? Yeah. So that's this three. Is how much, this is how much attention you pay, Chris. <laughs> so just remind me who you're taking out of those three: Forsyth. So we took Forsyth out. Yeah. Um, so we both went three five two. Um. So I went Vickers, uh, Wilson, uh, Cashin, and Rooney, uh, Elder, Ward, Thompson, uh, sorry, Fornar, Bird, and uh, Horahan. So Thompson doesn't go back in for both of us. So you're taking Lang out, you're taking Nelson out. Mm. But I'm looking at them. When I'm taking them out, I'm looking at them. You say, okay, this game needs to change. Let's bring them on. 60 minutes. I'd rather Mendes Lang come on with half an hour to go, fully fit, 
running at wingers that are knackered yeah. because they've had to deal with Joe Ward for, eight, uh, for 60 minutes. Yeah. There you go. And, <laughs> and, this is, and this is my... This is the dilemma. You, I think. you mentioned you mentioned about a strong eleven, and the, the the bench on Saturday was a decent eleven. It is a it's a great it, bench, a, a, and it is, and that's the point. If he gets the team selection right, you've then got options for impact off the bench. So once these injuries and everyone's fit, you look at that squad when everyone's fit, then you have got a a team that can compete. You would have thought for top six. It's just keeping everyone fit, and it's trying to get worn whatever style of bloody football he wants across is getting the players doing that. Final question. That is the annoying thing. Final point about that because time's against us. Five players, if them five are all coming into your squad, guys, five have got to come out. Yeah. Uh, There's no off the bench. Five have got to... This is what I'm saying. People can't can't turn around and say... I I, I just think that the, the football... I don't think the squad necessarily is the issue. I think the football philosophy is the issue. But there you go. What a fantastic debate at the end of the show. So, yeah, just before we finish it, Lincoln tomorrow in the AFL Trophy. Um, I'm not, we're not going to name squads because we've just spent the last 10 minutes doing that. <laughs> but we're going for a score prediction anyway. Anyway, Nick, we'll start with you. 2-0 Derby. Hi, Baba. 2-0 Derby. 3-0 Derby. 2-0. Oh, 2-0. 2-0. We've got a goal scorer. Collins. Collins. Sonny Bradley. Colin. Oh, yes. Go on, Chris. <laughs> Come on, Christopher. 1-1. One, one. Oh, scorer? Sonny Bradley. <laughs> oh. I'm, 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 gonna with go, you, I'm with you, Nick. Yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go 2-0 Derby as well. Actually, I'm going to go 2-1 Derby because we can't cl- keep a clean sheet for Toffee. So, But I'm going to go Barkhausen and Sibley. That'd be good if those two got a goal. I'd be really pleased. I, really, I think. Really I think. Pleased. I personally think. Well, he said those that have coming back from injury will play tomorrow. Good. And I think. Well, that's what you want, really. And when you, like I say, Barkhausen look, you know, probably should have done better with his shot in the fight. That that could have been one hell of a return if he'd bent that in the top corner that last minute. And that can you imagine then, Nick. Those people that walked out would have missed that drama. <laughs> they would have been gutted. Um. No. Yeah, and I thought both Barkhausen and Sibley looked good when they came on, and I just think if they're getting back up to fitness, then you know we can obviously. There is still cracks that need, you know, yeah. that have you know I, that, I that need so. filling in. I agree, and you know, and I, and I mentioned it earlier, and I think we've all touched on it. The bench for once looks strong. Mm. Now, I think once we start hitting towards the fifteen twenty game, these should be proper fit now, game fit, not match. Yeah, sorry, match fit. You know, not just yeah. fit actual. You know, playing football fit. Um, you know, all of a sudden you bring in Wilson, Barcazin, and Sibley on, say, for argument's sake. That's three good players to bring on. And actually, they are three game changers. Mentioned John Jules in there as well. Potentially four game changers in there, which is certainly yeah. not what we've had last year. Exactly. It, the, the same subs were last year. They were always the same. Collins coming on, yeah. uh, Mendes Lang and Barcazin coming off for Dobbin or, you know, and, and whoever. Always the same. So I think. Yes, the performance wasn't great. And I think had we not conceded a late goal, the conversation would have been a little bit different tonight. But Lincoln tomorrow is... is I, I think we just take that with a pinch of salt, whatever it is. It's going to be players that are coming back from injury. And they're going to be playing a Lincoln team that have been doing well this season. So it's going to be a tough test. But I just think... 
again, you know, I've, I've, I'm not, I, I was personally not happy with the performance at all. I was bored shitless. And I think we've, we've all three of us have made some great points tonight. Um, so yeah, <laughs> we've fingers crossed for a win tomorrow. And then obviously we build then on to Saturday, you know, which again, who we got on Saturday? I've not, looked, I've not even looked that far. Carlisle, ahead Carlisle. So a, a good trip up to Carlisle for you there, Nick. Lovely. Last time the weather was on that the Tuesday night, we had a leaky roof in the away end. Oh, nice. <laughs> but again, but again, that's going to be a test and it's going to be one of them. Let's see what we're like. You know, if we come back from Carlisle sticking five past him, all of a sudden, your theory does add up that we can play away from home, just not at home. And again, it's probably because of the pressure. So. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see. Nick, thank you for your time tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure as always. Pleasure, chaps. Thank you. Chris, thanks for your argument, as always. <laughs> it's not an argument, gentlemen. It's a debate. <laughs> You've got to hear. You've got to take the rough for the smooth. But brilliant show. Nick, always a pleasure. Thank you, Mr. Holt. <laughs> and thank you guys for that have stayed and listened. Uh, remember to like, share, subscribe. Uh, and we'll see you next time. Hopefully celebrate a win. And as always, come on, Derby.